That's the great way to start a podcast is to have a, a little bit of noise when you put your elbow on the table, right? Welcome back to Focus. I'm Ron Cisco. That was a table noise. And uh, something kind of struck me a couple days ago. Uh, we were in Sioux Falls and, uh, and I was fixing some problems with the RV. It was very interesting. Um, and not every story is going to be about the RV, but right now that's been kind of pertinent. So at this moment, please just humor me. We, uh, we were looking at, uh, at getting moving on, on Thursday. We added an extra day. We needed to relax. Guess what? We didn't get the chance to relax. There was plenty to do. Um, but we, we were ready to go. And, uh, and Wednesday happened. And we, we got a lot of stuff done. And then Thursday happened. We were gonna, the first thing we were going to do in the morning was take on some water. We hadn't tested any of the water out. We'd rebuilt a lot of the plumbing. And... Um, I don't even know what to tell you. We, we turned that water on, and then the first thing that happened was our water heater exploded. We didn't know that at the time. We just knew that it was dumping water. I would say that we panicked, but I think we actually handled it pretty well. The first thing we did was ask the campsite for another day, and they graciously supplied us with another space for a day. Uh, I'm sure they were happy just to fill it. But believe it or not, they were booked out for the next day. So we needed to solve our problems in 24 hours. We brought our RV to a place called Camping World, which is like, um, I, I don't even know how to describe it. It's kind of like the Walmart of camping. They own Gander Outdoors. They own some other water sports company. But Camping World is, uh, is kind of like the go-to for all things RV. In fact, there are a few things that we need, and we know that our camping world is, has got a um, uh, not-so-positive reputation, but the truth is the people that we've dealt with, including Roberto, who, who took a look at our RV to try to determine what was going on, were absolutely wonderful. We're happy to be good SAM members just because our experiences have been so positive. And that's not an ad for them. If they want to pay me for that, that's fine. I'll be happy to talk about that, but... It, it was good, and, and I'm thankful. They were, they were there in a pinch. They took a look at our situation. Unfortunately, there was nothing they could do for us, but they did turn the bypass on for the water heater. So we just have cold water now, but we have water. We um, turned the water heater off. We bypassed it. I'm going to have to take it apart and see what happened. And uh, hopefully it'll be a quick, easy fix, but probably not. It's probably going to cost us money because everything does. Everything, if you ever own an RV, it doesn't matter if it's brand new or 20 years old like ours, you will have a problem. You will have a problem. And, uh, and I was thankful for the help. We got back to our campsite, we started filling up, and we started dumping water in a different spot. Um... Actually, the first spot that we started dumping from was, uh, was the water filter under the sink. And so we bypassed that entirely as well. And then the plumbing started leaking. And it's just like one thing after another. We put everything on hold. I went to a hardware store and I, I uh, just rolled around like picking up pieces for, for all of the things that we needed. And on top of that, I went to other hardware stores and I picked up other stuff that I thought we might need in the future and some things that I wanted. Like I got some Velcro strips and I got um, 
I got uh, zip ties, and I think everybody should always have a collection of zip ties. And I know my wife was like, why the hell did you buy some zip ties? But I was like, just trust me, we're going to need zip ties in the future. Especially if you ride a motorcycle, you will know that tape, you should always carry duct tape, electrical tape, and zip ties. We, um, and, and tool bag, don't forget the tool bag. We, we fixed the plumbing. It, it took a lot of work. It, uh, it took two, two trips to the hardware store. We, we picked up the piping. We picked up, like, we just redid the plumbing. I cut, cut pieces off entirely, and I just, you know what, screw it. We're going to rebuild the plumbing from scratch. I made sure that we had cut off valves so that if anything happened on the road, we wouldn't be stuck with a 40-gallon tank of water that was full and uh, a plumbing problem. I, I knew that those choices would be a pain now, but should anything happen in the future, I'd be thankful for them. But it got me thinking, because as I was running around picking up parts and, and, uh, and begging for things from, from people, not necessarily like to give them to me for free, but just like help me, please, I went to... Um, camping world uh, the first thing to, to see if they had a, like a, a water filter um, the, the water filter has a piece of pipe that connects to it and I wanted to see if they had a little cutoff switch for that and we have one but because the filter itself split we were pretty sure that it wasn't going to sit correctly and, uh, and he said yeah you know normally I do I would just give it to you but uh, I don't seem to have any left but you could probably go pick one up at Menards and, uh, and so I went to Menards and I went and picked one up and I, you know, that was before I made the decision that I was going to cut everything off. And, and, and then when I was buying the zip ties, I was thinking about the same thing. I used to work at Best Buy services and that was before Geek Squad, way back in the day, back when, back before Geek Squad had become part of Best Buy and Geek Squad likes to pretend that they purchased Best Buy or whatever, but I think we all know what really happened. I was part of Best Buy services. I wore a black shirt and I fixed your computer and, and, uh, and when you were upset with me, you said that I was terrible and whatever. And then when we became Geek Squad and I had to wear the white shirt with a black tie, everybody was so happy to say, see us and say, oh my God, you guys are so much better than the other guys. Surprise. <laughs> we were actually one of the best ones in the state. Maybe in the nation. I don't know. I was proud of that. We were good. But I can't think of how many times we would just Give people things. You know? Our RV is in a constant state of repair or modification. All of the things that we wanted to do, of all of the things that we wanted to do, I'd say we, we probably got 70, 70 to 75% of them done. And we're still working on them. And I'm not saying that we won't finish them. I'm just saying that right now it's not feasible to, to just drop everything and continuously hop back and forth between a hardware store now that we are very specifically sitting on the edge of a cliff in the middle of nowhere in South Dakota. It's not feasible. And it's not, it's not smart. It's not a good way to spend your time. You have to work on the things that make sense now. But I remember so many times that we'd be sitting there in... Our, our, we called it the tech bench. We, we would have these laptops open in front of us and we'd notice that a customer would have dropped a screw, like the screw would have fallen out because HP or Compaq or E-Machines or whoever the hell made the laptop 
didn't put enough Loctite on it and the, the screw would just work itself out. Here, you, you know, you've got two pieces of plastic held together by two pieces of brass, usually brass and, uh, and steel. And those things just happen. And we had hundreds of those screws in different lengths, sorted by different lengths, and then a little tray of just random screws. From all of the years where, you know, after a, a computer had been left with us, we'd take it apart and take all of the usable screws because by the time someone decided, ah, we don't want this laptop anymore, we didn't have a recycling policy at the time. We would not want to save the hard drive because that wasn't, you know, that was personal data. So we'd destroy the hard drive, but we might save the inverter and the screws. And how many times we gave away a screw or an inverter or a hard drive adapter that we'd saved. And it meant something to somebody. It had value. It's so interesting that all of these things that became junk to someone else became so valuable to someone else. And we were happy to give people those things. When Best Buy purchased the Geek Squad, one of the things that the Geek Squad promised to do was create monetary value on the things that we were already doing. And that was basically just to force us to charge things for charge people for the things we were already doing. I remember we were doing free diagnostics at the time where somebody would bring a computer in and we would sit there and help you out, see what your problem is, and then at that moment determine what we should be doing. And there's a lot of exposés about people doing that in the future uh, by, by news companies wanting to hit the gotcha on some poor kid that the Geek Squad hired because he likes computers. It's something we, at the time, knew we wanted to be free. We wanted to help people. We were in that job to help people, not just because we liked computers, but because we wanted to make a difference for people's lives. And to have to turn around and charge them $50 for the same thing we were just doing for free two months before, was insulting to us in the same way that we gave away screws for free. Or if we had an extra inverter, we would give you the inverter for free, but charge you for the installation. We had a, a system of values, and we weren't making a lot of money. And then the minute that services could become profitable, that's when we started charging for them. I think about all the times that I've ever been in a uh, mechanic shop and I described a problem and they would just hand me a small piece of something and say, oh, we've got hundreds of these here. I think about all the times that um, I've been in situations where like, I, I, would, I would be talking to someone professionally and I'd say, Oh yeah, I will. I, I, I guess I need to go out and buy that because in my mind, I always think about, about, you know, the, the economy of those things. And they just, Oh no, you can have one of these. I've got tons because they purchase tons because they use tons of them. Zip ties would be the perfect example of that. How many times could you go to anyone professionally and say, Oh damn, I need a zip tie. Do you have any extras? And they would just give you a zip tie for free. 
But if you go to a hardware store where they sell zip ties, there's a value to it. They know you need the zip tie and they want to make money off of it. There's a perceived value to the zip tie, especially since you need it so desperately. You went to the hardware store to get a zip tie. We do the same thing with gasoline. If you've ever found yourself stuck on the side of the road and people who drive motorcycles, this is particularly um, uh, interesting to me because we're, we're going to, uh, well, being in South Dakota, we've passed so many motorcycles and been passed by so many motorcycles. And, um, and how many of those people will be stranded on the side of the road because they didn't have enough gasoline in their tank. They just, one of the things about motorcycles is it's really impossible to determine how much gasoline you actually have in your tank. You might have a meter. Guess what? It doesn't work the way you want it to. You don't know what your range is. You're going to be, you're going to be stuck somewhere. And, um, and, and if you go to right now, nearby where we are right now, the price of gasoline is $2.59 and nine-tenths of a cent per gallon, unleaded, regular, 87. If you go to Sturgis right now, as the motorcycle rally is going on, I'm betting it's probably a full 15 cents more expensive there. Because here we have all these people at their destination, probably at the end of their limits, because they've been riding, a lot of them have been riding motorcycles from God knows where. I remember the first time I heard about Sturgis, it was 1996. I think the name of the pay-per-view was Hog Wild for um, WCW. And they, uh, a whole bunch of wrestlers got together at the Mall of America and they rode motorcycles from there to Sturgis, South Dakota. So it's quite a ride. I would say that it was probably uh, eight hours, 10 hours, something like that. And, and, um, and I could do it now. But that's that 10 hours. I mean, right, man, I think... I, I'm trying to think of what the range of my motorcycle would be. Probably about 240 miles. So I would have to fill up at least twice, maybe three times. And if I were stuck on the side of the road, that 259 a gallon, that becomes four, 450, I think. The surcharge for that, for somebody to rescue you with three gallons of gasoline. Not to mention the fee for showing up. So that three gallons of gasoline that they gave you, or I guess my tank is like four and a half gallons of gasoline. So let's just work off of that. They're going to charge you 25 bucks for the gas and then another $50 for showing up for four gallons of gasoline because you needed it. You were stuck on the side of the road. Perceived value is something that we are so conscious of and it's not just an economic thing. We do it intellectually. We do it emotionally. In every situation, uh, and I, know, I don't mean to, to make this real dire, but in every, like, every tragedy that happens nationally, we, uh, we start up, we restart a conversation that gets ignored again about whatever it is that happens to be affecting people. Usually it's gun violence now in the United States. Sometimes it's about immigration. Sometimes it's about health care. 
And that's when the conversation becomes more valuable to have on a news network, in the newspapers, on the internet. And the minute the American attention has changed and the value of that conversation has gone down, and that's, that's a legitimate value, that's not it's just as simple as uh, supporting someone emotionally. Commercials are sold on that value. Someone is making money on that tragedy. Because the tragedy has you watching the news. And the constant conversation about that one thing has networks selling ads on that subject. And it's awful to think about beyond the politics of whatever it is going on. And, and I, I mean, no matter what happens, people are going to take a tragedy and, and make a soundbite out of it. There's a meta conversation that happens beyond, behind the scenes, in front of you, directly in front of you, but behind the scenes where a tragedy means CNN, Fox News, MSNBC can look forward to more ad revenue. That's insane. Those transactions don't have to be as big and, and uh, um, awful as, as those. We do that in our, our own personal lives as well. I know that um, some of the things that I've dealt with in my own personal life, we all have those, uh, we, we, you know, triggers. We'll call them triggers. That's what they are that set us off. We find our, our relationships painted by those things, by the things that we most appreciate. Now, some people talk about love languages. That's a, that's a set of values, something that you trade in, in emotional economics. Some people, like me, I, I, I find value in, in people who can communicate without the use of guilt trips. And some people use guilt trips as a, as a form of control. Well, I mean, guilt trips are a form of control. It's, it's definitely, um, it's definitely just control, but, but some people use that conversationally because their, their way of bringing something up is a guilt trip. And so to me, I, I find a value in people who can communicate without the use of guilt trips where you might not even be aware of the fact that it was one or would easily shrug that off because it doesn't bother you deeply. I think when I look back on the idea of value and, uh, and, and how far we, we think we've come as a species, really it all still brings it back to trade in some way. And I think even thinking about what trade means, value becomes a very strange equation. If you were to do work for someone that you would also patronize, if, let's say, for a second, you were a computer repair shop, and you knew that the accountant that you bring your, your business to 
who's doing your numbers. If you knew that they had issues with their computers, you would more than likely say, hey, I can help you. And you yourself, being a patron of their services, would probably assume that giving them a discount is the best way to you yourself give a discount. But does, doesn't that put a cap on what your expected services return might be? Doesn't that perceived value now make you feel like there is a maximum you should have to pay for something? You've given them a discount, so aren't you owed something? How much are their services worth now, now that you've done something for them? In the long run, would it be smarter for them to take their business to a different computer repair shop just because they wouldn't want to have to deal with what your expectations for pricing might be? Have you not complicated that relationship? Perceived value is, is such a strange concept. We know what something is worth. There's a monetary value to it. That zip tie cost a fraction of a penny. So the company that made it look at it looks at it from the cost perspective when they're manufactured. Let's say they, they manufacture a thousand zip ties at, uh, an hour. Let's, let's say a thousand zip ties an hour. And of those zip ties, through the quality control process, they find out that five of those zip ties, five of those 1,000 zip ties are broken or misformed. And because that zip tie is now 0 .02, 0 0.02 cents, they write it off as 0 0.02 cents. And then it's completed its QC process, and now they're ready to sell the zip tie. And the, the market value of the zip tie is now, uh, I don't know what I paid for, for the, the 100 zip ties, I think uh, $3.40 or something like that. But 3.4 cents, because it's, it's done, it's completed the QC process, it was manufactured, so the cost of it is manufactured. The labor through the QC process, the labor for packaging, each of those is now 3.4 cents. And if they were to lose a zip tie, or someone were to have stolen a hundred zip ties. It's now the cost of all of the things that it had received. That $3.40 for the hundred zip ties. And actually, it's not even, well, it, we won't complicate it more than that. We, we won't worry about the manufacturing chain and the sales chain. We'll just keep it simple. And, um, and the repair guy who bought the hundred zip ties just has them hanging in his pocket. $3.40 because he has a hundred of them and he uses two or three a job, looks back on them as something that's completely disposable. He's lost a few. He's had to throw some out because he's done it wrong. He doesn't sweat the three, 3.4 cents. He, he knows that his value is in the labor he's performing. He knows that the, the cost of the materials and goods are what he's going to eat or sell to you at nearly cost so that he can get labor. And so for him, the materials don't, they're not worth anything. He's happy to give you the zip tie. He's happy to be there. 
the value of the zip tie is different. It's social. It's so strange. And it's not just commodity. It's knowledge, experiences, communication. I, I, I struggle, to, uh, struggle with the idea of there, there, there being so many brilliant, experienced people out there who can't find a mon monetary value or even a personal value for themselves just because they're not good at communicating. And there's so many people out there who are underqualified, but happy to tell you how to do it because they sound good talking about it. I think one of the things I wanted to take away from this weird conversation I had with myself in my head on the way back from the, the Menards in Sioux Falls was when you're given something, when, uh, when, you're, when you're conducting a transaction and someone decides to give you something that would otherwise have value, when they're saving you time, that it's not necessary to be suspicious of it. People don't always do things to take advantage of you. There's not always an end game that ends in how can I extract money from you. But just being aware of those kinds of things allows you to, to understand what the game might be. Kindness repays itself in so many ways. And in that same way that the repair guy giving zip ties, in my example, can, can, can find that kindness and, and expect that, well, maybe not necessarily expect, but hope that that kindness might bring him more business in the future. It's different from someone giving you a discount on, say, computer repair, expecting the same discount on the way back. In the end of, at the end of uh, those conversations, at the end of all of those relationships, one of the things that we should probably be mindful of going forward is the idea of giving. And it's weird for me to kind of tie that all back to some weird, uh, you could almost say it's socialist, but I like to think of it as just generous message. When you give, they say the gift is to, to have someone to give to. But when you give, the gift is the economy of giving. When you give with the idea or the hope or the expectation that, that you'll be repaid in kind, it leads to only bitterness. It leads to a strain in the relationship. It leads to awkwardness. But when you give to help someone, when you, when you set out to make someone's life better, you create an economy of people giving. Focus is a Patreon-supported podcast, and again, I ended up with that weird inverted swallowed F by the uh, compressor here. 
thank you so much for listening. Really, your time and your listening means so much to me. I know that this one was kind of a strange episode, but it was kind of the thought process that struck me on the way back from my, um, my, my ride back from Menards. It's been very interesting to ride a motorcycle for, for everything. I'm kind of an angry driver in general. In, uh, in a car, I, I always find some way to be offended by people. And I've been so thankful to have these experiences, especially in South Dakota. I don't know what it is with these people. There must be something in the water, but they are so kind. And on the roads, they're very, very kind with motorcycles. And I think that's just because they're used to seeing so many of them, especially around Sturgis. But I find myself a little more free and a little more relaxed. And for some reason, so much more in tune with what's going on. And I can give myself the freedom to really think about something like that. The, the economy of perceived value is so negative when you're looking for a reward. But it can be so positive when you're just giving. And, and that's what really, it really struck me on the way home. I, I just, I still can't get it out of my head. So thank you for indulging me and listening to my ridiculous stories. And uh, I guess in this case, maybe telling you how to live because uh, I, don't want, I don't want to force you to live that way. You shouldn't have to, but, but we, could, we could do better. We, we can always do better. Focus is a Patreon-supported podcast. I want to thank Anastasia Beaverhausen, Vigilanthe, The White Prince, and Enrique Ramos for continuing to support this podcast. I said it before, I'll say it again. You guys keep the lights on. You're keeping the website up. And in that way, um, you're allowing me to continue to, to muse on about these weird, weird thoughts that hit me. Sometimes just because I broke a faucet. And, uh, and I just hope that, you know, anything I say here might mean something to someone. Or maybe to stir you up. Maybe, maybe you're angry. Maybe you think it's stupid. Maybe you think I'm a socialist and you need to put me in my place. You'd be happy to, and that's fine. You can find me on my website, focusbycisco.com, S-I-S-K-O. You can email me, ron at focusbycisco.com, if you'd like to take that a uh, private conversation or do a response video. Actually, you know what? If you do a response video or a response podcast, I'd be more than happy to feature that on my website. Um, ah, man, my website. That's, you know, it's crazy. Looking at the numbers, there are just so many people listening, and I just didn't expect that. It's, it's astounding. And I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying that because I'm thankful. I'm so thankful for you guys listening. But if there's anything you'd like to say, you know where to find me. That said, if you decide to share this with someone, please make sure that it's because it meant something to you and not because you think they should hear it. In keeping with last week's message, or yesterday's message, live extraordinary. I'll see you when the play requires it. But until next time, be excellent to each other.